the morning once again from the Digital Cathedral. So glad you're with me this morning. And I hope you come on this Sunday to learn and to get stretched just a little bit. We're in a series that I'm calling Unlimited. And this is the second uh, second teaching, second edition of that, of that uh, series. And what I want to do is in this series is I want to explore and enter into a life that I think Jesus designed as being a very unlimited uh, lifestyle. So we're going to look at some things that um, will open up, I hope, an expanded life for us. Uh, the life where all things are possible to him that believes. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at a number of scriptures this morning. And I want to look, I'm, I'm, I'm titling this, it's unlimited part two, but I'm titling this <clears throat> The Secret Sauce. Because I think what we're going to talk about this morning really is the secret ingredient to walking in and entering into a life where the unlimited is no longer unlimited and we're not limited by anything. So let's let's start over here in John chapter 15. Very very familiar. I like I like Sunday mornings to take you from the known to the unknown. So I, I kind of like to start tracking and maybe with some familiar things, and then we move off into some areas that maybe aren't quite so familiar. This is, this is a, a parable we've all heard taught a lot of times. It's the, the parable of the vine and the branch. I want to read just two verses of scripture. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 4 says this. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, right? We, so there's a whole realm here of, of, of just bearing fruit to bearing much fruit. And this unlimited life that I think we're going to explore over the next weeks, and what we're going to get into some things that are really good, is about not just living life, it's living a life of much fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's an element, I think, of tapping into this unlimited life that, that I think we overlook and maybe we haven't fully entered into that I want to talk this morning. That's why it's the secret sauce. I know this from experience. You can go to conferences. You can go to seminars. You can read books. You can read scripture all day long. You can watch Christian television. Uh, you can watch videos on YouTube. But the glue that holds this unlimited life together without which I think all the rest of the things that we do really is just dead religion. The, 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 the glue, the, again, the secret sauce, the secret sauce is a continual, unending, conscious awareness of the Father's presence in our life in every situation. And whatever we're going through, involved with, whether you know it's good, bad, or indifferent, being aware of the Father's presence at all times and in all things. Now, don't, don't shut me off this morning. Don't turn the video off because some of you are going to say, that's mission impossible. I could, I could never live that way. Give, well, give me a chance this morning. Let me talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, over in Isaiah chapter 43, I want to read this because this, this is a good, good verse. In Isaiah chapter 40, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. He says this, the prophet saw, he foresaw this and he said this. Now see if this doesn't resonate. He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Didn't say camp out in the waters or drown in the waters. He said, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, I'll be with you. They'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you and you will not be scorched nor will the flame burn you because I am with you. So if we're going to live this unlimited life, then we have got to keep contact when we're walking through the water, through the rivers, through the fire, whatever, whatever the circumstance is, we have got to have a consciousness of the Father's presence with us. We can't, we can't, we're not in this thing to do it alone. Now, why, why is it of value to be in conscious contact, Jesus, Jesus likened it to the branches being connected to the vine. Why is it important to live the unlimited life that we keep this contact 
with Mr. Unlimited himself, who is our Father. Why, why is that of value to us? Only this. Here's the value. In proportion to your conscious awareness of the Father's presence, as you go about living your daily life, and again, just hold with me. Hold with me, because I know many of you say, I, I, I'm not aware of his presence all the time. Just hold with me. Hold with me this morning. To that proportion that we are consciously aware of his presence, to that proportion or to, to that degree of our awareness, he's available to us and we are able to perceive that he's walking with us in whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're going through. So let me just say, to that proportion, he is by your awareness available to you. We want to have him available to us. So when you feel that you're not consciously connected to him, there comes a sense of separation. And that's really what I'm against this morning, is this sense of separation. Because whenever there's a sense of separation, you feel like you are disconnected from the Father, and that you, you aren't aware of his presence or walking with you, as Isaiah said, through fire, through waters, through rivers, whatever it is, you will, by default, and here's the danger, you will, by default, hit the reset button, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you don't sense the Father's with you, you automatically gravitate toward the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the, the tree that we don't want to eat from. The branch has got to stay connected to the vine if there's going to be a flow of life. If Zoe is going to flow from the Father, the God kind of life is going to flow from the Father to you, then it has to come through this connection. The secret of living an unlimited life as our life is to be consciously in his presence at all times. Anybody that develops this awareness and it is a development. It is an exercise. It's like going to the gym. You know, the first time you go to the gym, you, you go home and the next day you can hardly move. You're so sore. But as you continue to progress at the gym and lift a little bit more weight, and your strength gets built up and your endurance builds up, you're not sore anymore and you can do more than you've ever done. It's, it's a progression. It's an ongoing work. So at, at, at first, I understand that being in his presence or sensing his presence, being aware of his presence, at first is going to move very slowly because your mind wanders off all the time. Your mind is going to go a million directions because that's what it's accustomed to. So as you're developing an awareness of his presence, you're going to have to get a hold of your mind and bring it back. Bring it back to a place where you are, <coughs> excuse me, where you are aware of his presence. It's kind of like when you were first learning how to drive a car. Do you remember that? It took all of your concentration in learning how to drive a car. When you got in the car, you had to consciously think, put the key in the ignition, turn the ignition on, let the engine turn over. As soon as it turns over and starts, you turn, you let go of the key. You consciously had to put the car into drive. Or if you're like me from old school, you learned on a stick shift. You had to remember to put the clutch in, let the clutch out just a little bit till the car moves and you can release the clutch. Every operation of the car took concentration. When you drove down the street, you had it, it took all of your attention to be aware of the other cars, of pedestrians, of stop signs, stop lights, anything that was in the road that you had to drive around. It just, it took all your concentration. But here's what happened. As you became adept at driving a car to where now today you can, you can drive your car, chew gum, listen to the radio, talk on your cell phone, and still think about what you're going to order for lunch at the Wendy's drive-up window, right? It, driving the car is just second nature. You do it almost unconsciously. You're in that habit. You're in that rhythm of driving the car, and it doesn't take near the attention or the focus that it did when you were 15, 16 years old and you were just learning how to drive. <clears throat> Once you have the realization of his presence and you carry it, and you, you got that, that uh, Acts 17 verse 28 mentality that it's in him, that you live and you move and you have your being. Once, once you have grasped that awareness, there's some, there's some powerful advantages to it. Probably the biggest advantage is you're never going to feel alone again. Loneliness for some people is a, is a tremendous problem. If you become aware of the Father's presence, you're never going to be alone again. It, 
And I'm not just saying that as a psychological ploy or, you know, something that isn't really so. I'm telling you that the presence of God can be real enough in your life that you never are alone again. And so you, you, you problems in people and situations are no longer going to intimidate you. They're no longer going to isolate you. Uh, rejection from people is not going to devastate you to where you feel like, man, I have no friends. It's just me. I'm by myself. Your dependence on human aid will diminish because you know that you now all of a sudden are connected and you're aware of being connected to this inexhaustible source, this supply that never ends. So you're not just living by bread alone. You're not just living by what people can give you or what you're able to go and, and, and produce yourself. Now, when you're, when you're in his presence, you understand that you're living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and you're connected to it and you're aware of it. So yes, it does take some practice to begin with. It's a little bit, it is a little bit difficult to start with. I, I, I'll grant you that because as I said, your mind moves all over the place and uh, it's hard to get that focus. So at first, like driving the car, you're gonna have to focus more on what you're doing than after, after you've got a hold of it and it becomes part of you. So what am I really talking about? When I'm talking about having a God consciousness, so an awareness of the Father's presence, what are we really talking about? Are we talking about something that we think? Is it something that we believe? I think from experience, I have to say it goes deeper than that. It's, it's this sense, it's at times this very vague awareness, but it's a very strong connection. It's an un, un, unbreakable tie that you have with this, with this inner being that you're fully aware that is within you. Now, let me just back up here for just a minute. Your consciousness, whether it's positive or negative, draws from the atmosphere that surrounds you. If you're in a very negative atmosphere, your consciousness is gonna pull from that negativity and that's what you're gonna feel. You're gonna feel that you're in the presence of negativity or something that's positive. So as we're pulling out of this, this sin consciousness that religion has so ingrained into us, this condemnation consciousness, as we're pulling out of even this world consciousness, and we're beginning to move now into a father consciousness, this is hard. Again, don't click me off. This is hard. But as you come out of, out of a sin consciousness, a worldly consciousness, a religious consciousness, out of condemnation consciousness, and now you're, you're beginning to, to enter into a father consciousness, you're realizing that the atmosphere that you're living in is extremely important. Now that means, this is hard, that you may have to disconnect from some of the friends that you have in terms of letting them control the way that you feel or building an awareness around you. And I want to tell you something that I never want you to forget it, as you develop spiritually. The people that got you to where, where you're at today, and I thank God for every person that I've had contact with. I thank God for every professor that I had going through school, uh, every, every person whose book I read along the way. I thank God for them. But I've come to realize that those that got me to where I am today may not be the people that get me to where I go tomorrow. And you need to understand that. Doesn't mean you have to cut friendships off, but it does mean you have to watch the influences that create an atmosphere from which your consciousness draws on because where we're going in an unlimited life is living a life that is fully, entirely in the presence of the Father. Now that doesn't mean I don't. That doesn't mean that you walk around every second of the day, you know, having to pray or stay spiritual. But it does mean that when you come into something, just like driving a car, when you come into a situation, he he is that close. It doesn't take you. You don't have to pray in tongues for forty minutes or enter into a worship service or put a worship CD on to get into God's presence or have to call for God. He's that close because you've come through this process of developing an awareness that he's always with you. See, he's always with you. There's no question about that. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. But it's our awareness, our perception that needs to be developed. And it has to be developed because it's been, it has strayed so long and it has been influenced by so many things. 
So whatever you feel, here's what I'm trying to say. Whatever you feel your, your, yourself with daily, that will become your consciousness. If you feel yourself with uh, Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or the newspaper or whatever you feel yourself with on a daily basis, that is what will fill your consciousness. Paul said it like this. He said in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, he said to be carnally minded is death. When, when, you, when your mind is all it's drawing on and, and, and you've built an atmosphere of negativity, that, that automatically is going to put you in an awareness of, of death. That doesn't mean you're going to die. It means you're disconnected from the Zoe, that you as the branch now are not connected to the vine. He said, however, if you are spirit-minded, you've created an atmosphere of spirit. He said, that's life and peace. That's what we're after. So, so people, things you read, things you watch, things you expose yourself to, it may require some adjustment. But just, just hold on. It's, it, this is not hard. It's not something you have to discipline, uh, push yourself into doing. This is going to become the desire of your heart. And I, I want to talk about that at the very end of the teaching this, this morning. So what you want to do is to make sure that you're building the right atmosphere. And that's where Scripture helps. Scripture should change our thought patterns. Scripture should renew our minds. Scripture should create an atmosphere from which our consciousness can draw from that will usher us into this awareness of God's presence. Now, I want to share with you five scriptures. And these scriptures, uh, I substitute them in, substitute them out. It depends on where I'm at at the present time. But I want to give you five scriptures that for some time now have really helped build a, uh, an awareness that will allow me to walk in God's presence. These scriptures in themselves are not God's presence. There's a, there are a lot of people that are scripture-minded, but they're not, they're not God-minded. They're scripture-conscious, but they're not father-conscious. And when you say something, you can always tell, because when you say something to them, the first thing out of their mouth is a scripture. You say, well, I've, I've got this, this going on in my life, or I've got this problem. The first thing that comes out, it's, it's not a sense of, okay, Father's here to, to, to walk with you through this. First thing that comes out is a scripture, right? But there, scripture is valuable in renewing our mind and creating an atmosphere from which we can draw then a consciousness of the Father's presence. So let me just give you five, and I'll tell you why these five are, are with me right now, and that doesn't mean they're going to be there next month. I, I, I rotate them and rotate them out depending on where I sense I, I need to move spiritually, right? First one is Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, what that scripture does for me is sharpens my focus, because my focus can move all over. I need to know that I, the only thing I should look, look at, focus on, is developing a kingdom mentality. When I seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things that try to get my attention or take up my time, those things will be added. So I, that scripture helps me with focus. John 14, 20. You probably know a lot of these scriptures because they're so close in my heart that I use them a lot. John 14, 20. Jesus said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and that you're in me and I'm in you. That scripture helps me to be aware of a oneness that I have absolutely with the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, I could take all day on each of these scriptures, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says that it is the Father who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I like that scripture a lot, and I stay in awareness of that scripture because it tells me that I don't have to seek out God's will. I don't have to get out there looking for what the will of God is. That was probably the number one question when I pastored people in a building. And people would come to me for counsel. That was probably the number one thing that people asked. I don't know what God's will is for my life. And we made this, the, the will of God, this mysterious thing that was hard to grasp, that just about when you thought you had it, it was elusive and it would move away. That scripture lets me know that God puts his will in me so that the things that I'm wanting, the things I'm desiring is really the will of God working through my life. And not only that, but he gives me the ability and the power to accomplish that will that he places in me. So for me, that's an extremely important scripture. Titus chapter two, verse 11 and 12 says that grace is a teacher. And grace teaches us how to walk righteously and soberly 
and uh, godly in this present world. So I like that scripture because it, it reminds me and it makes me conscious of the fact that it's not my discipline, it's not my works, it's not my endeavors that create my righteousness with God, that creates right standing or gets the favor of God. But grace is a teacher. Grace is a powerful teacher. Grace leads me. Grace changes me effortlessly as I rest in him. So grace is, my, is, grace is a tremendous teacher. And then the, the, the last scripture, that the number, scripture number five, that's big for me right now is Colossians 3.3. 3. It says, I died. I've died. I've already died in my death. I've died. Fear can't intimidate. Death can't intimidate me. I died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. And I'll tell you why that scripture is important to me. That scripture is important because it tells me nothing can get to me unless it goes through the Father. Nothing can get to me but what at first has to pass through the Father. Now, those scriptures renew my mind, but I want to, I want to, I just, they create a right atmosphere around me. But they in themselves are not the consciousness of God's presence in my life. And I want to emphasize that. Now, watch this because this is important. In John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus, in talking to the Pharisees, said, You search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you're going to find life. And he shook his head and he said, you know what? You refuse to come to me for the truth. So scripture should point us to our life source. But hear me, hear me really strong this morning. Scripture should point us to the life source. It should keep, help keep us connected to the life source. But scripture in itself is not the source. And I want to say again, there are a lot of people that are scripture conscious, but they're not father conscious. They're not aware. They're not perceptive of the Father's presence within their life. Boy, they can parrot scripture. They can, they can shoot scripture to you like a machine gun. I've learned that on Facebook. Whether people have knowledge of the word, but they're viewing it through a lens that probably is contorted, and they're depending on that scripture to, to create a right life. And that's not where you create right life. You create right life through the presence of God. So in honesty, most of us probably had a, had, a, had a spiritual life that was developed like this. This is how my spiritual life developed. I read my Bible pretty often. I, it, it, you know, maybe not every day, but I was pretty consistent in my Bible reading. Then I would pray and I would tell God all my needs. You know, I'd get my laundry list out and I'd tell him all my needs and I hoped that he would answer me and supply what it was that I wanted, when I wanted it, and how I wanted it. And then after I'd read my Bible and gone through my prayer time every morning, that was my personal devotions. <laughs> after I'd done that, then I got up and I went about living my daily life, the rest of it, making the best decisions I could base based on all the information that I had. And I pastored that way for years. You know, I, I had a fairly large organization. I suppose at one point we had maybe 50 employees between the daycare, the school, the church, assistant pastors, associate pastors, youth pastors, children, worship, all that stuff. And I would try to do the best I could every day. I made sure I did my devotions in the morning, read a little Bible, prayed a little bit, usually for about an hour. But then from there, I got up and did, did my thing. And I remember reading a book by Father Lawrence entitled Practicing the Presence. And that changed my life to a, a big degree. Now I read it and I did it for a while, but then my mind would just go off and I would get back. Honestly, I ate a lot from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to make good choices and good decisions based on the data that my five senses fed my brain. I would try to do the right thing by people and by circumstances. And maybe some of the, the choices were godly. I don't know. I, I believe some of them were. But I can honestly tell you that they didn't come out of a union that I felt with the Father. There wasn't that presence right there at the surface all of the time that I felt that I could just, at a minute's notice, draw on, you know, without going back into prayer or just going into worship or whatever. That, but the problem is then when things don't work out like we asked and we've kind of gone about our daily activity doing our thing, then we can't understand why it is that God didn't do what we wanted to get done or what we thought was best. We just felt like God was distant, distant and at times uninterested or of no daily value. And what really was taking place is there was a disconnect in our minds 
We weren't conscious, we weren't aware of his presence. So there became this slight disconnect and there was not the flow from the vine to the branch that should have been taking place if I was more God conscious. So if we're gonna live an unlimited life, what I'm saying to you, I'm saying some hard things this morning, especially about your friends and all that stuff, but here's another hard one. If you're gonna live an unlimited life, you're probably gonna to have to scrap what you've done to build what you thought would be a successful Christian life, and you're gonna to have to scrap that and begin to build on an intimacy with Jesus and walk in the presence of the Father. So when you, when you walk with him and you talk with him like Adam did, I mean, Adam had a tremendous connection. I think, I think an ideal life would be like Adam had was to walk with the Father in the cool of the evening. And I, I, boy, I'd like to know everything they talked about, but they shared intimacy. It all went well with Adam as long as he kept that connection. Now, what should have happened as soon as the serpent or he went on a head trip and the thought entered his mind, there's something more I could do to become more godlike. So he went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to try to achieve on his own what he already had, what he should have done immediately when that thought came, he should have drawn on the presence of the Father. He should have went back to walking with him in the cool of the evening and let the presence of God direct him in that, he would have never eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we forget the presence when, we're, when thoughts come into our mind and we begin to navigate our own way. So those five scriptures, they kind of give me a mind that is renewed, and I, I appreciate the scripture for that. But I want to emphasize again, scripture is not a substitute for the presence of the Father in your life. You develop the presence of the Father in awareness of God by practice, by being aware of it. It is always there. It never leaves. It's our perception. It's our awareness that needs to be sharpened. So when I get up in the morning, usually, usually the, first, the first scripture of the five that I think about is John 14, 20. I honestly think John 14, 20 is the heart of the gospel. It's the very center of, of uh, the message that Jesus is in the Father, and Jesus is in us, and we're in Him. If you start the day with that oneness, that sense of oneness, that whatever you're going to look at, whatever you're, you're coming through that day, and none of us know what the day holds, but I do know this, that you can position yourself to where you're never out of His presence. Hold those thoughts of oneness, and as you hold those thoughts of oneness, listen to that still, small voice. I mean, that still small voice will grow till it roars. It'll, it'll be the most prominent voice in your life, I promise you. John 14, 20, that oneness, that's, that's a good way to start today. That will build a consciousness in you as you're driving to that sales appointment, you know, to make the presentation, or, or you're going to the doctor's office and he's taking the tests and now he's gonna give you the results and you're all nervous and uptight. You don't need to be nervous and uptight. The Father is with you, and the Father knows the report, and when you walk through the fire, you're not going to get burned. The report not, might not be what you want to hear. That doesn't mean that God's presence has escaped you. That's the whole point of having it right there where you can pull on it. I'll, I'll tell you, his presence will bring you stability and peace in the middle of a storm. Isn't that what Jesus demonstrated to the disciples? In the middle of the storm, Jesus is back there on the boat, and he's asleep. Everybody else is going crazy. They're frantic, they're uptight, thinking they're gonna die. Jesus was in the presence of the Father and he, he was peaceful. So when the doctor's report comes or your marriage or your child ring hits some hard spots, you need to know that he's there with you facing it. And you're, you're not gonna know that unless you have ahead of time developed that perception. Are you still tracking with me? See, that's not the time then you go into prayer. That's not the time you call the prayer chain. It's not the time you get on Facebook. Say, I've got a huge problem. Everybody, please, please, please pray for me. You're, what you're saying there is I'm separated from God and I need help getting connected. Now, if you need prayer, get prayer. But in this unlimited life that I'm, I'm moving you toward, I'm not gonna give you the fish. I'm teaching you to fish, teaching you to get it for yourself. Your awareness when you come through, whether it's driving to the sales appointment whether it's facing adversity or whether you're right in the middle of good times. 
your awareness is going to be tuned into that frequency that allows you to know that he's right there with you at all times. There's a peace that goes with a God consciousness that holds you steady. And I want the people at the Digital Cathedral to be solid and steady in their spiritual life. So there comes, there comes a time. There comes a time when you uh, hit that place. And I don't know how it's better to say. You hit that place when you shut down everything that you've done to build this big time Christian life, right? You, you shut it down, frankly, because it's not working. I used to look at my life and I go, man, this thing is not working like it should be working. So what, what I do, I would double down on my efforts. I would read the Bible more, I would pray more, I would give more, uh, uh, you know, I would fast more. I would do all kinds of things to achieve spiritual success. And those things were on my effort. There comes a time you say, this stuff isn't working. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And you have to, you have to set those things off and you enter into his rest. And you, you, you're honest with yourself. Say, look, this stuff isn't working. So I'm going to enter into his rest. And as you rest in him the, and you start to relax in his presence. You don't have to come in there, you know, with guns blazing and, and fist shaking and demanding, commanding, coming against and invoking. You don't have to do all that stuff. That, that says I'm separated. That says this, this is not working and I'm trying to force it to work. And you enter into that rest or you enter into a piece of life that is lived out of grace and out of that awareness, what you're going to discover is that his life starts to flow to you because now you're connected back to the vine. You as the branch are connected. And his life will start to flow to you. Listen to me. And as it flows to you, it will come to you as your life because your life and his life were designed to be one life. Everything you experience in life, even the contradictions. And next Sunday morning out at the, at the cathedral, I'm going to talk to you about contradictions in life. What I mean by contradictions, those things that seem to oppose us, that we would say, this is not God's best, this is not God's will, this is not what God wants for me. Those things that come against us in life. I'll talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul Paul said, man, this thorn in the flesh, this is, this is not good. This is not God's plan. So he's always praying for God to remove it. What was going on there? What was going on with the thorn? What, what goes on when there are things that come against you that you go, I, you know, and you want to go, I bind you in the name of Jesus. What is that really what we should do? I'll talk about that next week. Everything in life, including contradictions. If you let go of it, take your cotton-picking hands like Carrie Underwood's sings, Jesus, take the wheel. If you'll let go of it and rest in him, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see something that is aimed at developing a heart consciousness that reflects the Father. Now, I'm going to really get into that next week because I know a lot of you have come through things or maybe you're right in the middle of something and you're going, I, I, I'm not sure about this. I don't like the way this looks. You're going to find that really the Father He's always there and he's developing a life that is prepared to be a home to the fullness of his presence. And not only that, but that you'll be able to put it on display for the world to see. So everything that you see, I'm driving this point home, everything you see in the outer world, the lens that you look through, the manifestations of what you hold in your consciousness is now being manifest. What's your focus on? So I'm moving your focus this morning. When your focus comes back to the Father, when you are spirit-minded, it's going to produce life and peace. And you've probably experienced enough in your life of your mind wandering off into all kinds of things, and you have found what he said in the first part of that verse, that to be flesh-minded is, is death, but to be spirit-minded is life and peace. So to be spirit-minded is to be God-consciousness. You know, in the Old Covenant, there was a guy named David who spent a lot of time just hanging out with the Father just singing out there. He was on the backside of the desert with nothing but smelly sheep. And because he was back there, he had a lot of time to pray and to meditate and to think. And he, he spent a lot of time in God's presence. And out of that presence came a confidence that would, that would say, Father, in your full awareness, I'm able to take on the giant. I'm able to slay a bear and a lion 
In fact, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is not just good theology. There's some good theology in there. But I, I want to read this 23rd Psalm. And I want you to see something here. I want you to see that David wrote this Psalm out of a God awareness. This is what a God consciousness looks like. Psalm 23. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How did he know that? Because he was in the presence of the shepherd himself and he knew he was connected to an inexhaustible supply. See, you used to be able to write a check on the kingdom, but now you've got access to the vault. That's what he's saying here. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need, I don't have want for anything. Now, all of this comes out of what David learned by consciously being in the presence of God. Let's read on this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. Being in his presence restores your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul. He said he guides me in path of righteousness. He guides me there. He directs the steps. I don't have to figure this thing out. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Watch, here comes a contradiction. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am void of fear because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here comes more contradictions. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Your enemies are those things that oppose you. He said, I've prepared a table of plenty, so much so that your enemies can even come and eat at the table. He said, he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness, here's what he got from being in God's presence, having a consciousness. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And he's already taken into consideration all of the good things and the bad things. And he said, I, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he was not talking about a building. He's talking about he's going to dwell right here in this house with the Father forever. That was his consciousness. There was a guy who was a terrorist named Saul who became Paul, murdered people, wreaked havoc on the church, violently opposed to everything Jesus, Jesus had. And you know what happened? Everything about Paul was not changed when Saul became Paul. In fact, it was replaced. Everything about him was replaced. And you know what was replaced? When he was out in the desert by himself for a long period of time, in the Father's presence. See, when you're in the Father's presence, it might look like the desert to other people, it might look like the wilderness, but it's not, man. It is the sweetest, greatest spot that you can reside. Becoming God consciousness and replacing all of our current atmosphere with a stronger one. It's replacing all of our current thoughts with stronger thoughts. A God consciousness produced in David and it produced in Paul. You know what it produced in Paul? That 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, we call it the love chapter. You know what that chapter is? And I'm flipping over there in my Bible, if you wonder what I'm looking at. It produced in Paul such an awareness of love himself that Paul became one who... who was the vessel through which this love flowed. The life of the Father, Paul spent so much time in the presence of that love himself became Paul. Paul began to see himself like the Father already saw him. Look at this. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, I'm become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Wow. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy, man, people chase that one down, the word, and mysteries of knowledge. And if I have all faith that I can remove mountains but don't have love. He's talking about entering into an unlimited life. This love life that comes from connecting with the Father is an unlimited life. He said, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. He, he said, I give all my possessions to feed the poor. There's so much social gospel going on today. You can do all of that. I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love. It profits me nothing. 
Then he talks about this love that he's discovered. He discovered it by being in the presence of the Father. He said, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It's not uncoming, unbecoming. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It's not take account into a wrong when it's suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it'll be done away. But he ends up the chapter by saying that love will never fail. How did, how did Paul get that? I tell you, he didn't, he didn't develop that from, from going to a, a seminar or going to a, a, you know, a, a meeting of some kind. He got that from being in the presence of the Father. 1 Corinthians 13, love is a person. And that person as you, that person as you, and this, I think Paul and David both prove the point that when you are in the presence of the Father, that his life becomes your life. And who he is becomes as who you is. Can I say it like that? And the flow from the vine to the branch becomes unlimited. Look at that, look at that 12th verse. He really, he really nails it down in that 12th verse. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Now you have to remember when Paul wrote this, they did not have glass mirrors. The mirrors they had were highly polished metal. So when you looked into that highly polished metal, you had to look a lot of different ways to try to get a true image of what you were looking at. You couldn't, you couldn't really get a clear picture. But he said, then face to face. When you're in God's presence, it's face to face. That's where you see accurately. And when you're in his presence and you're seeing accurately, what will you see? He tells us in verse 12. He said, but then face to face. I know in part, now here's what you're going to get from being in God's presence. Then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. What's he saying there? He's saying that when we spend time in God's presence, that we're actually going to know us like God knows us. We're going to see us like God sees us. He's telling me that in this awareness, there grows this seeing him with un with an increased clarity. When you see face to face, you're not looking in that polished glass anymore. You're looking face to face and it will eventually absorb me. My life will be absorbed into that life until I know me just as he's always known me. God consciousness will not only lead you and guide you and strengthen you and enable you, it will reveal to you who you are, man, and who you have always been but have been ignorant of it. So whether you're David, Paul, Jim, Sally, Mary Beth, or Bill, what you're about to experience is a huge shift in your consciousness. As we keep getting into this unlimited life, you can expect a shift in your consciousness. Some of you are gonna be really challenged about being in, in, in the God's presence on a perpetual basis. It's gonna open your eyes to his ongoing presence in your life and you're gonna know that he's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you know why you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? Look me right in the eye so that you can usher his presence into this world. You can bring heaven to earth. You're the heaven through which he's bringing his presence into this world. Now, how can you bring his presence into this world if you're not conscious and aware of it in your own life? If you're still just sitting down reading your Bible, praying, and then you're going off and doing your thing, hoping God will help you, or, or you live a life like this. You go ahead and make a bunch of decisions, and then you pray and ask God to bless the decisions that you made out of the best resources that you had available. That's not going to cut it. What's going to bring his presence into this world, and why he's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this, is to usher his presence into this world. And for you to do that, you have got to become very consciously aware of the Father's presence in your life, just as Jesus was. Jesus was knew he was never outside he, he said in one point in John, he said, the Father is always with me. That's gotta, that's, has, that has to be your perception. The Father's always with me. Now again, that doesn't mean you walk around going, 
praying all day or you're spooky spiritual, but that means that you have, have been aware of his presence enough that when something comes to you, that it's right there. It's right that you don't have to search for it. You don't have to call out for it. You know, it's there. You can draw on it immediately. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're there. That when you walk into his presence, you know, it's like walking from the living room into the dining room. There's no, there, there's not this big transition that has to take place. It's just going from one place to the next. As your consciousness awakens to his presence, you're going to notice some things take place in your life. And I've got just a few minutes left this morning. I want, I want you to, I want to give you some, uh, I want to give you some signposts, if I can, real quick, five of them, that I've noticed in my life that have popped up and developed as I've become more aware of his presence. And I'm developing in this just like you are. I'm developing in it. But there's, as, as you shift in your consciousness, there are going to be some changes. And you're going to notice them. So let me, let me point some out that might be evident in your life now. You know me, I'm Mr. Practical. If, if, if it doesn't work, I need to keep looking, right? So I'm trying to help you to get this to a place where it really works in your life. So there are going to be some things you'll notice as this shift in Father consciousness, as it develops in your life, here's what it's going to look like. Here's how, you, here's how you're going to know if you're undergoing a shift in your consciousness. All right, number one, you let go. You're, a bit, you're able to let go of all those tightly held beliefs and views and doctrines that you once based your life on. You're relaxed now. You're relaxed. You're, 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 there's been a shift in your security where one time your security was in your right beliefs and in your doctrines and what your church believed. Now all of a sudden, with a sense of, of, his, of, of being keenly aware of his presence, your security is in relationship now. It's not in your doctrine. Your doctrine's gonna shift, it's gonna change. What held you in the box, and I can't, I gotta stop teaching on this. What held you in the box were those tightly constrained doctrines. So when, when you undergo this shift, you're gonna notice that you're able to let those go because you're secure in his presence. All right, number two, there's gonna be a sensitivity to people and events that you never had before because you're seeing with different eyes. The more you're in the presence of the Father, the more you see with his eyes. And, and you're feeling with a different sense of feelings. There's all of a sudden all this compassion that's coming out of you that, that wasn't there before. There's a tolerance for people's shortcomings that you didn't have before. His, his presence, like it did David and Paul, it rubs off on you, man. When you're in his presence, who he is is gonna rub off on you. Number three, you wanna break away from all the conformity and the unnecessary rituals and stuff and institutions and the status quo that you were boxed in with before. You wanna break away from all of that, which means that you're able to walk visibly by yourself or alone. You, you know you're never alone anymore because you're, his presence is always with you. But you're, you're now able to break away from all of the conformity, the unnecessary customs, the institutions, the status quo that held you in check because you can stand by yourself alone if you need to, knowing that you're really not alone. That he's walking through the fire, the rivers, he's walking through the contradictions, he's always there. As David said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will assure you, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will feel like you're by yourself. David said, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. I've got peace about this. Okay, number three, you're gonna, you're gonna notice a change in how you spend your spare time, what you read, what you spend time watching. And it's not because you're forcing yourself to. It's going to be because there's a very subtle shift in your desires. He changes the desires of your heart so that you don't waste a lot of time doing stuff that you used to do doesn't mean you don't have pleasurable activities. It doesn't mean, you know, if you like to go to the beach, you still go to the beach. Probably you'll spend more time doing the things you really enjoy doing because he's changed the desires of your heart. And the things that were emotionally draining to you, that were, that were consciously filling your uh, life with stuff that you didn't need to think about, and you're thinking about things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and a good report, things that have praise and virtue to them, all of a sudden your desires change. You're going to notice that. And, and, and number, number uh, five, you're going to notice a greater sense of inner peace and a desire to increase in the things we're talking about, a desire to follow in and in, in increase what you're experiencing. 
You're going to love it. It's, it's, it. it's the way you've been wired. It's the way you've been created. And when you tap into God like that, all of a sudden there comes this increased interest and desire to do it. So you're going to let go of things you tightly held on to. Your sensitivity, people and, and events are going to go differently. You're going to want to break away. There's going to be changes in how you spend your spare time because your desires change. And there's going to be a greater sense of inner peace that's going to create a desire in you to want more of it. I tell you, I want more of it today than I've ever wanted. We have tapped into some things that are so phenomenal that it makes all the other things in life pale in comparison. I mean, this stuff, this stuff is what cranks my engine. It's what lights my fire. It's what motivates me in the morning when I get up. I think about how I can get over to the digital cathedral and convey to you what's going on in my life. A God consciousness has one purpose. Has one purpose. An awareness of the Father's presence has one purpose. And that is to bring you into a sense of oneness with the Father that will enable you to live the best, highest, most fulfilling life that you were created to live. So, so what do we say to all this? What do we say to all this? We say that our consciousness of his presence as you is going to grow in our life. It's going to develop. So let's start this week. I challenge you this week. Become aware of the Father's presence around you. And if, start with John 14, 20. In that day you'll know, and this is the day you're gonna know, that he's in the Father and you're in him and he's in you. You're never separated. Anything that would bring a sense of separation is filling your head with the wrong stuff. I love you guys so much. I count it such a privilege to come to you on Sunday morning, be, be your teacher at the Digital Cathedral. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the hose. <laughs> Spirit of Truth is the one that's gonna take you deeper. I get you someplace, but I'm telling you what, this is not the end of the story. There's so much more for us to grab onto. I love this journey we're on together. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for supporting me, praying for me, and uh, helping me through everything that I go through in life, too. You're a wonderful group. See you Wednesday night, Wednesday Night Live, back next week. And next week, I want to talk about the contradictions we face and how it affects the presence of God in our life and how we can live an unlimited life. It's going to be good. I'll see you then. God bless.